Hey, church family, we um, we're continuing uh, on our series today about truth and wisdom, and uh, we're working through proverbs and parables. We're working back and forth between proverbs and parables, taking one idea and seeing what Jesus has to say about them, seeing what the parables have to say about them, and hopefully allowing us to live better, more disciplined uh, lives as disciples of Jesus. We've been in this series for most of the summer, um, and we're coming towards the end of the series. It should end uh, towards the end of uh, this month. If you've missed any of the series, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to what our amazing staff has done. Uh, The pastors have done an amazing job. Matthew, Annie, um, Jeff, um, Greg, all of us have just um, contributed well to this series. And I think it's something that uh, as you listen back to it, you're going to be really uh, impressed with. We've spoken about greed. uh, We've spoken about words. We've spoken about justice and humility. We've said goodbye to Greg on his last Sunday with us. And today we come to shrewdness. Uh, This week and next week, we'll be talking about shrewdness. Matthew will pick it up next week. Um, And we will end with empathy uh, towards the end of the month. So come on back, uh, go back and listen. Um, God's got some great words for us. So you remember that time when you heard that riveting service, um, that riveting sermon on Jesus's encouragement to go out into the world and be shrewd. Uh, So many pastors have preached on it. I've been um, in the word and I've been so excited to get, no, you you never heard? Yeah, yeah, me neither. So actually this will be the first time that I've ever heard a sermon on shrewdness. So let's see what God has to say to us today. Our scripture comes from Proverbs chapter 12, verses 23, and chapter 14, verse 15. If it's your practice, please stand for the reading of God's word. Proverbs 12, 23. The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. Proverbs 14, 15. The simple believe anything, but the prudent Give thought to their steps. Spirit of the living God, you have given us these words from a book of wisdom. God, that we might hear you today. God, I would ask in your mercy and grace that you would reach into our lives, reach into the scriptures and allow these words to come off of the page and alive in our experience like never before. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated or stay seated, or in bed, or whatever. As has been stated before in this series, but what bears repeating is that Proverbs is a different book than you are used to. It is not a gospel in that it does not tell the good news of the person and work of Jesus. It is not an epistle that was written to encourage and instruct the newly formed churches in the first century. This is not historical. It does not chronicle the journey of a people or a history of a king. See what I did there? (laughs) Uh, The wisdom in this is the fact that it is wisdom literature and can be specifically labeled wisdom because of these things. One, it maintains a consistent focus on the intellectual reflection about life's problems. It's, It's highly intellectual. 
Two, there's a quest for universal truth. And by universal truth, I mean truth that uh, affects us regardless of whether or not we are followers of Jesus. Uh, three, it, it is really concerned with the rules of life, not, um, not the rules of, uh, of discipleship and what it means to follow God. It's just the rules of how we get along as people. And uh, last, it's focused on our crea- created reality before the living God. And I think that's, that's, that's really important for us to know. Those four things are, are, are centered in wisdom literature. Not, um, not doctrinal. They're not doctrinal statements that we can lift up and say, this is how God is. How, this is how God always is. Especially because they're, they're minimally interested in the salvific work of, uh, of, of God. If you're looking for contradictions in the Bible, you will not be disappointed. Uh, the book of Proverbs has plenty of them, but you're going to be deceived because, as I stated before, that's not the Proverbs' intention. See, Proverbs, and specifically wisdom, can only capture a single angle on reality. And discretion by its user must be used in selecting which saying to apply. Here's one of the more infamous contradictions in Proverbs. It comes out of chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. It says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you too become like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. You can compare that to the president sayings like, look before you leap and one who hesitates is lost. See, both are good advice, but cannot be uniformly applied in every situation. What can be uniformly applied is our response as created beings before a holy God. Proverbs 3, 5 and 5 through 7 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This is found in the section of book where we understand the purpose of the Proverbs. Specifically, the purpose is laid out in chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and I would point you to Pastor Jeff's sermon about that passage. But the whole section continues all the way through chapter 9. We're talking about wisdom, understanding wisdom, wisdom versus folly. See, wisdom is the point of the genre of this book. Wisdom is difficult to attain because it requires us to live a different way. But the key to that way is trust in God, like we just stated. Wisdom is gained, it is understood, it is accessed because of the way the rest of the Proverbs are set up. Uh, Proverbs creates these dichotomies and sometimes false dichotomies between the fool and the wise. It would be easy if it were just a list of things to do and things not to do. See, in our passages, contrasting fools and the shrewd, not the wise. I would have loved to have supplanted shrewd for wise, but that's not how it actually reads. Those aren't the same words. Even in our scripture reading, you see the word prudent 
That's the word that was used for shrewdness. Uh, but we'll get back that later. For now, um, we need to remember what fools we are. Pastor Jeff, in his sermon on fools, says this. Fools rush in to say how life really works. They rush in to offer an opinion. They rush in with moments of hearing something. And I would add, and they pretend like they've understood it. Have you ever been online when someone posts a video online? And maybe the video is like 10 minutes long. And within a minute of it getting posted, you see people in the comments saying, oh, that's amazing. Or, man, I love this stuff. But you know they didn't see the whole video. So how would they actually understand what has been going on? This is what I'm talking about. Even more, there are several other sayings on folly in Proverbs. For example, chapter 17, verse 10, a rebuke gets to an intelligent person better than a hundred lashes on a fool. Or here's a memorable image, chapter 26, 11. Like a dog that returns to its vomit, a fool repeating his folly. Here's one that applies to the internet discussions I was talking about. The anger of a fool is known immediately, but whoever conceals insult, a clever one, chapter 12, verse 16. The one who continues in their foolishness is morally bankrupt. I was reminded of a challenging word for us as the church as it relates to the inability of the church to look at ourselves collectively and individually in the mirror and admit when we have gotten it wrong, when we as the church have been foolish, when we as individuals have been foolish Hear these words from Brennan Manning. The great weakness in the North American church at large, and certainly in my life, is our refusal to accept our brokenness. We hide it, evade it, gloss over it. We grab for the cosmetic kit and put on our virtuous face to make ourselves admirable to the public. Thus, we present to others a self that is spiritually together, superficially happy and lacquered with a sense of self-deprecating humor that passes for humility. The irony is that while I don't want anyone to know that I am judgmental and lazy and vulnerable, screwed up and afraid for fear of losing face, the face I fear losing is a mask. If we continue as the church or as individuals without a redirect our foolishness will lead to our ruin. But what about the shrewd? Remember, this is not the same word as wisdom. See, shrewdness is not one of the beatitudes. Shrewdness is not one of the fruit of the spirit. Shrewdness was not a class in seminary. Back to our passages. Proverbs 12, 23, the prudent or the shrewd keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. Proverbs 14, 15, the simple or the fool believe anything, but the prudent or the shrewd give thought to their steps. Shrewd and fool in 12, 23, fool and shrewd in 14, 15. Honestly, at first glance, being shrewd isn't that much better than being foolish. The first moment we're introduced to someone who is shrewd is in Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more 
shrewd than any other created animal. The NIV says crafty. King James says subtle. But the Hebrew scriptures record the same word in Genesis 3.1 as Proverbs 12.23 and 14.15 among a bunch of others. I know. I thought the same thing. Time out. It doesn't seem like shrewdness is something that we should be aspiring to. It doesn't seem like shrewdness is something that we should access or, or become. But here we are. We've been encouraged that shrewdness is something that we need to look at by the Proverbs, yet our example of shrewdness doesn't seem all that great. We can do one of two things here. We can back out, we can look the other way, or we can dive deeper into the scriptures. And if we are going to be honest with scripture, we need to go deeper. We need to allow the spirit to have access to us. We need to allow the word of God access to our hearts so that we might be changed and walk in a different way. What makes the serpent the most shrewd? The most shrewd. Apparently, there are others who are shrewd. I think that these four markers help us understand the serpent's actions. One, the manner in which the serpent frames the questions. The serpent frames the questions more in line with kind of a shock and surprise, like surprise that you don't get this, rather than honestly seeking to understand. You've been in those places. It's called passive aggressiveness. When people ask you a question that either one, they already know the answer to, or two, they're trying to put you in a place of misunderstanding. What, you didn't get this before? You didn't understand? Are you sure that you don't get what's happening in this place right now? You should. Two, knowledge of God's word. The serpent really knows well what God has said and what God has not said and uses it both with the woman and the man to usurp the power that they have. I think that this is really, really important here that we know God's word, yet how we apply it here is really, really important. Three, the certain serpents claim to understand God. The, the serpent claims to understand the situation better than Eve understands the situation. See, Eve in, is enticed into see what's going on much differently because the serpent has some different thing planned than God did. Eve is enticed to see the situation from the serpent's vantage point and not God's vantage point. And then lastly, the serpent selects the most vulnerable. Eve is the most vulnerable of the pair. But I want to be clear here. Eve is not vulnerable because of her gender. Eve was vulnerable because of her misunderstanding of what God spoke. And that's on Adam. Adam didn't relay what God spoke correctly to Eve. And so she was able to be taken in a different direction. That's on Adam. She was vulnerable because of her lack of understanding, not because of her gender. 
These four things are not, not only the marks of shrewdness. See, shrewdness organizes a person's wisdom to gain power and prestige and wealth and status and time for one's own purposes. However, as I've continued to wrestle with this passage, and believe me, it's been a wrestle this week, I had to wonder if I was looking in the wrong place. I had to wonder whether or not this was one of those false dichotomies that have been set up. What if we're focused on the wrong thing? What if shrewdness is neither good nor bad? But what if shrewdness is neutral? What if shrewdness is just a thing that we can access? In fact, the way that the term is used in the Old Testament would lead us to conclude that it is an ambivalent term that may describe a desirable or undesirable characteristic. What if our focus should not be on shrewdness, but on the markers attributed to shrewdness in our passage? Here, back to Proverbs 12.23, the shrewd keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. Proverbs 14.15, the simple believe anything, but the prudent, the shrewd, give thought to their steps. In 12.23, the shrewd are, and are silent. In 14.15, the shrewd are understanding, while the foolish are loquacious and undiscerning. And yes, I said loquacious. Silence versus loquaciousness or loudness. See, silence is the mark of one who listens, who seeks knowledge as opposed to one who is talkative or loud. Note what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 6. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't, don't speak out your wisdom before people who aren't ready to hear it. Paul speaks about this as well in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels and do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Silence here is good and thus it is shrewd. Speaking unthoughtfully or unlovingly is bad and thus foolish. In chapter 14, verse 15 of Proverbs, we get this understanding of believing. This, this clear reality that understanding things is good and believing anything is bad or being undiscerning about something is bad. Lack of discernment is the mark of the fool and understanding is the mark of the shrewd. Jesus says in Matthew 13, 9, whoever has ears, let them hear. But before that in Matthew, he says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Here is a parable about the wise man and the fool. And what did the fool do? The fool built his house on the sand. And when the rains came and the pressure came and the coronavirus came and all the things came that put us in stress, his house was washed away. 
the wise and the fool are clearly stated by Jesus. That an understanding heart who is open to what Jesus has to say and will take these words, specifically the Sermon on the Mount, and practice these words will be wise. Understanding with an open heart and mind that is willing to be changed by that information, by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, is good. And thus it is shrewd. Believing anything or living life without discerning truth is the mark of the foolish. And, and here's where we can get into trouble is that when we believe that we've been discerning about the truth and we've been discerning about all the things and we land in a different place than our friends or our family land, that they desire to do something different, even though we've discerned the same thing, we have to figure out how to walk through that and walk in that together. We have to remember that all of these statements go back to the beginning and in particular to Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, even sometimes your own discernment. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. We can do one of two things here. We can back out. We can look the other way. Or we can dive deeper. If we're going to be honest with the scripture, we need to go deeper. We need to allow the spirit of God to have access to us. We need to allow the word of God to shape us. So what makes a disciple shrewd. Apparently there are others that aren't disciples that are shrewd as well, but what makes a disciple shrewd? I think that these four markers can help us understand how to be shrewd in Christ. One, the manner in which disciples frame questions. We must honestly seek understanding in other people's lives so that we might allow God to use us in their lives for health, for healing, for continuing to shine light in places that are dark. We must understand a person's life, their experience, and understanding through listening by being silent is when we start to ask good questions. Two, knowledge of God's word, we must to continue to allow the scriptures and by the spirit to have access to us so that we may use God's power through us to change what God's doing in us, but also around us. Three, we've got to claim to understand but our understanding of other people must only come through empathy and compassion. And we find that when we seek to know Jesus, that Jesus was compassionate for all peoples and Jesus was compassionate for specific peoples at their specific moment of need. And it's only through empathy and compassion that we can get there. And lastly, we need to select the most vulnerable. 
We must never lose sight of who are the vulnerable and oppressed in our society. Not so that we may take advantage, but so that we may help heal their wounds and protect them in moments that they need to be protected. These four things are some, not the only marks of shrewdness. See, shrewdness in Christ is the passion and compassion to deploy the appropriate wisdom, power, prestige, wealth, status, and time to accomplish God's will in this world and in your life. May it be so in your life and mine. Amen and amen.